0: Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of Four and Half, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. All right, guys. So, my guest today is Steve Rosenberg. He is a good friend and a very, very interesting person, but he also does a couple things and he does those couple things really well. I'm sure he does other things, but he's a pilot commercial pilot for i believe united steve is that right yes that's correct all right sir and he's also runs one of the fastest growing property management businesses that i know of so steve welcome to the show and maybe give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you're into sure
1: yeah thanks thanks for having me alex so um like you said uh i i live in houston texas uh born and raised in los angeles and uh kind of got into what I do now kind of backwards. Um, I never really wanted to be involved in real estate. I actually never wanted to be an entrepreneur, to be honest with you. Um, I feel I was kind of thrust into this uh, this world, if you will, uh, because of uh, a day that a lot of us remember, which was 9-11. And uh, I'm what they have uh, termed a 9-11 investor slash entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is, For me, everybody remembers that day of 9-11. However, I remember it a lot more clearly because it affected my life and my livelihood being an airline pilot. And what I realized was that safe, secure job that I thought that I had being an airline pilot really ceased to exist on September 12th. And I started realizing that companies were folding up, going out of business, um, and being so specialized as an airline pilot, I realized that I really kind of put myself in a corner by being so specialized. And I really did not have many things that I could do when you're on the potentially going to be out of a job and on the street with 150 other thousand specialized people. Um, I, I remember telling myself that I will never, ever put myself in this position again of being lulled into this sense of uh, security, which, which really wasn't secure at all. It was actually the least secure, and I just didn't know it. Um, and I still am an airline pilot. Uh, luckily, I was able to keep my career and keep my job. Um, but for me, the scary thing was, uh, like I said, a lot of people remember 9-11. I remember about the week after 9-11, and that was uh, people don't really remember that during the days of 9-11, when it happened, every plane that was up in the sky basically had to come down on the ground and was grounded for about a week. So if you can imagine there was hundreds of thousands of planes grounded all over the world and the airline that I was working for at the time basically said you have to you, they dispatched all these pilots to these airports to pick up these empty planes and the weirdest feeling in the world that I'll never forget that gives me goosebumps was walking through an empty terminal and seeing all these planes on the tarmac just empty, and I remember thinking, "What am I going to do? I I am so screwed here. I've put myself in this corner. I have nothing else to do. I've got nothing else." And that was kind of my why, if you will, of I realizing that I need to do something else. I need to come up with something that I can have a backstop. And that's when I started learning about real estate. Um, I started purchasing real estate. I started buying uh, single family homes. I graduated that to apartment complexes. And um, I basically, at that point, got into the school of hard knocks. Uh, And when I say that, I mean I made a lot of mistakes. Let me ask I've you. I bought a lot Steve, of.
0: Yeah. Can, can I stop you for one second? This is yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got that jolt, and real estate is, is is a great, safe and secure way to put money away. And I think with all the turmoil we have going on in the world, I think a lot of people realize that real estate is the way to have your money. You know, being something uh, physical, an asset that is not likely to just poof disappear. You know, empty airports and grounded planes, kind of uh, thing. But let me ask you a question. Did you use a property manager when you initially got into this?
1: No, I did not. And, and why? And, uh, you know, it's funny because a lot of the things that I know now, I didn't know before. I didn't even know how the dynamics of things worked and the logistics. And it's one of those things, you don't know what you don't know and you think that you're smart enough that you can figure it out. And the only thing I'll say, like you said, it's it's a safe, secure thing to have real estate. That is true and I think that's also untrue because being an investor and making the wrong acquisitions without the right business model, I personally learned how that can go away very quickly when I bought a lot of properties without the right goals and the right expectations and the right due diligence. And more importantly, I did not have the right structure in place to even facilitate getting the return out of that property, which is really what I wanted so yes it has the potential to be very secure but the reality is if you don't know what you're doing it can be one of those the biggest financial disasters you ever make if you buy incorrectly or you don't have it being run correctly
0: gotcha so it's the perception well the perception out there is it is it's the best uh safest investment um, considering every all the other options out there. I mean what else would you do Steve right is you know is stock market safe you know no but but you're right so how the question is I'm gonna turn this a little bit and uh, ask you this this hard question I think it's hard I, I don't I can't figure it out just yet but how do we convince we the property managers convince people like you the starting investor who's just really getting serious about it to start thinking along the lines of, you know, I, I need I need help right away. I need to pair up with a professional, or I'm gonna fail. How, how do we install that mindset into this new in, new investor?
1: Well, you know that that is a great question because had I known all the perils and pitfalls that I was going to fall into, that is now kind of my the beat of my drum now when I speak to new investors and I explain to them, look, you own a business, whether you know it or not, you are a business. And with a business, you have to have policies, procedures, and structure. And if you don't have a business plan, the odds of you failing are statistically astronomical. So what I try to, going back to your question, it's a matter of educating them. It's not a matter of just saying, oh, I am great, and I am the best property management company, and we are number one on Google. Because if it's not important to them, it means nothing. What is important to them is finding out what are their goals, what do they want, and how you can be a partner to help them achieve those goals and to help them realize what they don't know. Because most investors like you know that you talk to, they have no idea all the perils and pitfalls that will come across an investor by tenant rights, fair housing, discrimination. You know The fact that the landlord is the highest suit in real estate because they don't treat it like a business. And I think if you educate, you know, like I do, when I sit down with investors, I'm educating them to say, look, you're, this is the sandbox you're playing in. You need to realize you are playing with people's lives. You are liable. You are responsible. The IRS says you're a business. Fair housing says you're a business. You know, For us, Texas property code. So there's a lot of people that are looking at them saying, look, you are a business. And once you start doing that, then they realize, you know what, I do need a property manager on my team. And the way I explain to investors initially is, a lot of investors will spend more time worried about their insurance rate or their rate of interest on the property than they will thinking about how they are gonna get the return out of that property day in and day out for the next 20 years. They never even think about that. And as a property manager, I feel it's my job to be a good partner and explain that to them. Like, look, this is how we're going to get you to the promised land and get you to that goal.
0: Yeah, got you. Knowing what I know now, uh, I will never ever get into the investment property without first consulting and actually, you know, hiring and you know, working with a property manager on the acquisition, management, and you know, the sales side of things. Now I know that. But I think you hit a nail in the head where I, I, you know, resonate what resonates with me, and you and I talked about this forever, and it's education. And you guys are listening right now. Jump onto Empire Industries website. What's your URL, Steve? Is it empireindustries.com? Uh,
1: EmpireIndustriesLLC.com.
0: LLC.com. Yeah, jump on our URL and see how many videos and books. By the way, uh, Steve, you and I need to talk about organizing this information on your front page. <laughs> Because right now it looks fantastic, but it may overwhelm uh, some folks. But look, this is like if they're looking for resources and and answers, Steve's website is it. That's why Steve wins all the business that he needs to win. and I, we're not gonna talk about this that that in a bit, but you know it's education. we've been talking we've been ta- you know, talking content marketing from day one and it is it is you know it's a proven way to to, to truly. Uh, um, build the value of what you do and convey the value and you know hire people excuse me get hired by people you want to work with so steve let's let's take a step back for a second and go back to year one so not year one let's let's go back to that time where you started acquiring your own properties i interrupted you i apologize for the question but you acquired those properties how did you end up thinking of property management company and how you met your partner i think you'd be a business partner right pete
1: Right? Yeah. 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 That, that, that's a good question. And, you know, wh- I met him at a, at a real estate investment group uh, in, in Houston and uh, we partnered on an apartment complex and I had done some wholesaling or back then it was flipping. I don't even know what they called it back in 2001. But um, and after we sold that apartment complex that we held for about two or three years, uh, we took that revenue and we decided, hey, let's buy some houses. And so we bought about 20 single-family homes in about a year, year and a half's time. And the challenge was is that we bought the wrong properties. I mean, we had about a 70% low-income, 30% middle-to-higher-income properties. And that was definitely the big mistake. So what was wrong and, with that
0: picture? What was wrong with well, that particular portfolio set that's, that.
1: That's a good question. I, I shouldn't say it was wrong. It was wrong for us, let me say that. Mm. The reason it was wrong for us is on paper it had a very high – uh, cash on cash return. We were looking at 50 to 60% cash on cash wow. return. We were buying properties for, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000, and they were going to rent out for $900 or $1,000. And that part was true. They were renting. However, the challenge with low income properties that we did not realize or take into account, and had we had a property management company or somebody smarter than us advising us or that has been down that path is, We had an average tenancy rate of eight months. Our average make ready cost was three times the other turnovers that we had on our upper end properties. Mm. So the tenants did not stay as long and the make ready costs and the maintenance costs were just killing us. So all, yes, it was making that cash on cash return. The problem was, is that was getting sucked up and taken away when we would get a vacant property which was very common. So we, we could never get over that hump. And we just, we just kept, you know, every time we'd fix something or, you know, we, we, these houses, you know, in, in Houston, most houses are, are new or they're old. There's no in between. So a lot of these houses for Houston were old, built in the 40s, 50s. And so you get a tenant in there. Next thing you know, you got to rewire all the wiring because they've got every electronic known to man. Um, and then after you do all the rewiring, when they leave on month eight, they like to take all that wiring with them and maybe some air conditioning units and some some ceiling fans and huh. you know it's you go into the property and it's just the shell of a property so all that money that we made in cash flow was sucked up um, you know when the tenant left and so those were the things that we did not account for uh... so what we did is we tried to hot hand them over to a management company okay. and amazingly which now we know why but no management company really wanted them they were like <laughs> wow. we don't manage those properties and that's when we realized we may have a problem here because we were in the middle of the recession of 08, 09, and basically we were stuck with these low-end properties that nobody could get a loan to buy as an end buyer, and investors wanted them for less than what we paid for them, um, and it, we we're basically getting bled dry from the maintenance and vacancy costs. So we are kind of in what they call, in flying term, they call it a coffin's corner, where you're you're kind of out of out of. Out of wiggle room, right? We had nowhere to go. We were either going to take some big financial hits, which we didn't want to do. Um, We did and still do very much believe in the power of real estate. We just know that we made some wrong decisions. So you would think at this point, Alex, that we would have made some smarter decisions, right? Right. I mean, yeah. Right. No, we did not. We bought another fifteen properties like this because we thought to ourselves, the way to get out of this, we're halfway through the hill, we need to pile through to the other side. Okay. So it got to the point to where my wife said, If you buy another one, it better be nice because you're living in it. Okay. So that, that, <laughs> okay. that was the indication that I need to I need to I was so I was so I was so fixated on proving that I could fix the problem. None of the indicators that we were seeing that now are so apparent, I, they, they made no sense to me. All's I knew is I could fix this if, if you, I just, I need to buy more properties and this will fix the problem. Um, and that was not the way to go, obviously. So what so, happened
0: next, how, 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 how did you guys get out of it? Or did you get out of it? I guess you obviously get out of it somehow.
1: Yeah, so what we did is we decided, okay, we have two choices now. Uh, We now have 35 properties and, uh, you know, basically 25 of them are are basically, you know, uh, they could be smoking hole in the ground and they probably make us more money than these were making us basically. And and when I say that they were not, it's not that they weren't good properties. We just did not have the structure and the model set up to buy those. So, And I'm just going to digress here. I tell people, look, it's not that these are bad properties, you just have to know what business model you're getting into. Don't get into these properties if you don't know how to swing a hammer, because your maintenance costs will kill you. Don't get into these properties thinking that you can systemize this into existence, because you have to be very hands-on with the lower-end property tenants. So it's not that it's bad. You just need to realize, and we did not realize that. We thought that we could systemize it like a $3,000 rental. When it's an $800 rental, it's a different mindset and it's a different mentality. So what we did is we sat down and said, okay, we have two options. We either sell them all and just take the hit and and lick our wounds, or we come up with some structure to self-manage these on our own. And um, obviously from our story now is is we – Uh, decided to self-manage. So myself being an airline pilot and Pete being in the IT industry, we sat down and said, okay, we need to say, if we were investors and we wanted our properties managed, what is the pie in the sky way that this would go, number one? And number two, how do we scale this on a larger basis? Because we still had every intention of continuing to purchase properties and this system and model that we created was really for self-preservation. It was not to start a business at all. And it took us about six months of sitting down and going through the, the plumbing, if you will, of building this foundation of trials and tribulations, of going, if this happens, that happens. And we made an agreement with ourselves that said, okay, if we do this, we are holding ourselves fully accountable, and we are going to do this the way our procedures say. So that was our first indication and in our first introduction, I should say, in dealing with policies and procedures even though they were very crude and rudimentary compared to what we have now they were policies and procedures and what happened was is after about six months our property stabilized because we kicked out about 70 percent of our deadbeat tenants and even though we knew it was going to personally cost us money it was a means to an end to fix the problem and to basically break the cycle gotcha and what Once we did that, our properties stabilized. They never really got to where they were making us a ton of money, to be completely honest, but they were not killing us and losing money. And we were, you know, some months we'd make some money, some months we'd break even, some months we'd have big maintenance costs, but they were overall trending better. Gotcha. And what happened was is we had other investors actually that we knew because we were investors and we'd go to the investor clubs and they said, hey, you know, you guys were, you know, basically on deathbed at one point and now you guys seem like you're doing good what happened so we explained to them what we did and we had other investors approach us and say hey that is the exact problem in life i am living right now could you please manage my property and at first we thought no we don't want to do that like we we manage we are investors But what we realized was, you know, if we did this through economies of scale, maybe we could get some better pricing with vendors. Maybe we can get some better pricing with realtors. Maybe we could do this on a larger scale, and I would not have to be the one taking the phone calls. Maybe we'd have a little office person. And so that was what basically started our management company. That was in about January of 2000, or I'd say mid-2011. And so, it, so
0: Steve, I have a quick question. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I, I'm really curious on, did you guys work full-time throughout the yes. systemization process? So both of you had full-time jobs. Yes.
1: Yes. I was, I was full-time airline pilot. Pete was in charge of a big department uh, for IT. Um, so yes, we were doing it full-time and we started taking on properties. And after about six months of us taking on people's properties and kind of looking at this from a business standpoint, we realized, okay, this is a business. We we can actually make some money on this. This is something we never even thought about. But maybe we need to explore this because what ha- what was happening was oh, people were just handing us their properties left and right, and we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we were just investors. I was an airline pilot. He was running IT. Next thing you know, we're we're you know people are asking us about their accounting records and their financials, and we're like, what are you what are you talking about? I'm doing like, we're, you a we're favor just, already, right? Ex- exactly. I'm doing you a freaking it? favor taking these calls, and you want me to do your accounting like. So then we started educating ourselves in the property management world. And at, that was about December of 2012 when we said, okay, this is a business.
0: So how many, how many properties did you have approximately after six months of taking on people's property properties? What would you get up to?
1: So we had about 35 properties, and I would say we probably had about another 30 or 40 people's properties coming to us, right? So we had about, I'm going to say probably about 70, 75 properties, I'm gotcha. gonna say. I
0: half your own, half fee Half our own, that,
1: that, that basically were dying on the vine. We were just trying to keep them on life support so we didn't have to pay more money, to be honest with you. but um, So... And, and we knew we wanted to get out of our properties. We just didn't know how. So this was basically a Band-Aid just to get us to the next month, Is essentially is what we were trying to do. And so... What happened was, is when we realized this was a business, we got a business coach because we thought, okay, we do not know how to do these things that these people are asking us to do, not from a property manager standpoint, but from a business standpoint, because we realized this is a business and we do not know what we're doing. So we were smart enough to realize we needed some some help. So we got a business coach in June of 2012, Pete and I were still doing everything and we were setting up the foundation and the structure of our business Um, of the end product of how it would look. In December 1 of 2012, so six months later, Pete, uh, let me back up, in June, from June to December, Pete went part-time and Pete took a part-time position at his company knowing that this was going somewhere. December of 2012, he actually quit his job. How many properties you
0: had at that point? Sorry, I think it's an uh, important point for for the audience.
1: Well, that's an interesting, that's a very good question. We had about 127 properties at that time. Okay. Now we hired our first employee as well. And we knew that we couldn't afford her, but we also know that we couldn't afford not to have her. And this, this lady was a certified property manager that had about 20 years experience. And she really saw the vision of what we were building. And she thought it was very exciting about you know, maybe she felt sorry for us that we didn't know what we were doing, but she she really believed in what we were doing, and we talked a lot with her. And basically, she took a risk on us, and we took a risk saying, "Hey, we'll pay you this money, and we'll figure out how to find that money," because you know we basically had it equal to equal the pay that where she was leaving uh, at the time. And so, what we ended up doing was we had about 127 doors. Okay, now what's funny about this story is by January or February, three months later. She fired about 67 of those clients because they were <laughs> bad owners. Yeah, just, <laughs> she just cleaned house. She, she said, look, these people are going to get you sued or you guys are going to get in some serious trouble because, of, because they were bad owners because we didn't know what constituted a good owner or a bad owner. Right. Right? We, just, we were just taking people on. And people owed us like over $20,000 in maintenance bills. We had no idea that this was even an issue. And, you know, again, it's one of those things. You don't know what you don't know and basically she came in and said you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that and we we're like, "Well, why not?" She's like, "That's illegal. You can't do that. That's against <laughs> housing." You, you know, you know and we we kind of we're like, "Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that." And she's like, "Yeah, that's a bad owner. He's either going to do it this way or we're getting rid of him." And we just said, "Okay, you're running the show. Whatever you think." So, she came in and she cleaned out. So, now we're back down to about 67 properties, right? And we right. still owned about 30 um so we we kind of went back, but at least the owners we had were good owners um so that was uh you know i'm going to say february march of of two thousand and thirteen now, then the thing really took off i mean it it just lit so if you flash forward to today so that's that was about three years you know three and a half years, we now have over five hundred and fifty properties we've never bought any rent rolls these are all hard-fought clients. We don't have any large clients. Um, Even our largest client with 43 doors, he's purchased them singly at a time. Um, We are constantly, as you know, um, know, marketing as much as we can. We have realized that it doesn't matter what business you are in, you are a marketing business. I don't care if you're GM, United Airlines, Coca-Cola, Empire Industries, or mom-and-pop management. If you do not have inbound marketing coming, you are going you are going out of business. You just don't realize it. Yet.
0: Why, why don't we define inbound marketing for the audience? What what Steve? How do you define inbound marketing? Sure. So, and,
1: and I could be wrong about this, but I'll I'll, I'll say it. Um, to me, in very simply, inbound marketing is somebody comes to me and says, "I found you through the internet from uh, educational for your ebook for whatever, and I want you." I wanna to talk to you about managing my property. They're contacting us, okay? That's, so-
0: That's exactly what my definition, it's just a, yeah. just a simple way to say that, you know- uh, um,
1: The phone's ringing.
0: They ask you answer and do it, yep. you know, as, as Marcus Sheridan says, and do it in a form over the internet where it multiplies and multiplies yep. and multiplies on its own out there with people looking for these answers. If, you're the, if you are if you the guy providing or the gal providing the answers, they will call you and they will demand you, uh, not you as a person, but you as a company, because they know they're emotionally already connected to you. So that's that's yeah, that's that's inbound.
1: That's, that's magic. absolutely. And and you know, you hit on something earlier, and I, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but you know, I mean, and not not you know, not to make it a plug for you guys, but I'll tell you what, you were the one that I remember we talked. Uh, it must have been three and a half years ago. We were just starting. And you were the one who educated me on this whole content marketing and video blogs. And, you know, you said, hey, do 10. And I think we we spit out about 50 within yeah, the first you, you're an overachiever,
0: that's for sure. No, you can, but yeah. you guys done well with it. I mean, you took the message to the heart and you tested it and it started working a little bit. And then you doubled down, then you tripled down. Yeah. And then at this point, yeah. I think that's all you do
1: well yeah that that's that's exactly right and you know we took what you told us and, and very simply and you know i I can't thank you enough to be honest because you told us what to do and it's not magic we just do it on a consistent basis all the time and we test and measure every single thing that we do we know exactly what marketing is working what is not what to tweak what to what to adjust and you know it's 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 not that it's not that something works or doesn't work. It may just not be working right now for us, or maybe we don't have enough uh, money resources to put at it. But we are getting more return off of another marketing campaign. So it's not that it doesn't work. We'll come back to it, you know. And, and you know us, we test and measure, and we try. And you know, it's it, it's a learning process I'm for actually, different.
0: So, so if you don't mind, I I want to I don't want to forget this point. I'm actually quite impressed and proud of you guys because I keep telling my clients. Yo, once we get to two years with consistent content production, you're going to reduce your dependency on paper lead. You're going to get that needle out of your arm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think I'm, am I correct to state that uh, you no longer rely on Google AdWords as your single source of, you know, of customers and you guys, you get them organically?
1: That's correct. I mean, we, yeah, absolutely. That's how you you grow up. That's how you grow. And, you know, and I remember you said, look, you do that in the beginning. I remember the conversation, like, you do that in the beginning. To get you to get you up there but they're gonna start finding you when you get on page one and, and we I think we were on page 80 when you first talked to us I didn't think we could find us um, and you know we we tweaked it we adjusted it I mean we went we went gangbusters with our YouTube videos and our geotagging meta tagging and 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 I mean we do I think I do a blog every week or two blogs a week sometimes that we have in queue you know we transcribe them we do all that the other thing that we do that you, you told me about that we took and ran with it is our reputation management. So, you know, we have – we're the number one. We have the most reviews on Google. We have over 200 and yeah, – I think 218 it. or something like that um, reviews. So what we found is when people call us and we're, we're selling our services because I guarantee you we are not the cheapest person out there. We are probably the – I don't want to say the most expensive because I think we, I think we give the most value – but we, we tell them, "Look, if you want the cheap person, I can give you the cheap person, But if you look us up online, you will see there's a reason that we are the best." And they say, "I did. That's why I called you." Yeah. So they're already sold. We had a guy the other day he said, "I spent ten, he told us, he said, "I spent 10 hours watching videos on your website." He says, "I'm I'm ready. To, I'm ready to sign with you." And I was. He didn't even talk to me. He talked to one of my salespeople because I don't even do that anymore. But to me, that's that's a testament to saying, "Okay, what we're doing is working." Because they find us off the reputation, then they click on us, then they see that we're the experts. We're educating them, and then it's like, "Well, who else am I going to use?" These guys know what they're doing, and now it's just a matter of saying, "Look, you know, we like like you had told me all the time." One one of the best advices you gave me, and not, not to give out your secrets, but was, you know, when, when I talk to someone and they have a pain point, I make sure that I have a video that talks about that specific pain point and I redirect them to my website to say, here's a video that talked about that pain point that you actually have. Now they're going. Wow, this is this is great. This guy specifically specializes in the problem that I have. How convenient is that? You know,
0: I'm so glad that you guys are implementing this because this is definitely no secret. It's I wrote it in the book. Uh, you know, for the, the the sales book we wrote the art of the sale for property managers. It is it is it is. Um, it, I wouldn't say it's 101, but it it is the next. Once you get the basics of the sales process, this is the next step to make your salespeople a lot more effective. And you know, Steve, one fear a lot of my customers have. And they say, well, I don't want them to ask for me. I don't want them to, like, I don't want to be the guy in a company. But you and I both know people want to work with our companies and not and it. And they will appreciate a call an email from us, but they don't have to have it. Did you find that true?
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I, you know, we started off to where it was just Pete myself. Now that we're managing, you know, over 550 properties, I have 19 people that work for me. One of one of the people on my team is a marketing coordinator. As you know, Kevin mm-hmm. takes care of all the marketing, and then Kelly is now my BDM that does all the sales. And what's funny is all the drip campaign emails, every single email that comes, we're revamping it, but up until now comes from Steve Rosenberg. So they get emails from me for 3 to 4 years constantly from me and All of a sudden, that switches, and Kelly Williams is the one talking to them. And what's funny is, doesn't even miss a beat. She actually does a better job because she uses me as the higher power. Because she says Steve is outgrowing the company, so I can give you more attention and I can be more helpful for you. And it's funny. I thought the same thing. I thought, wow, I wonder if it's going to be a hard transition. The girl closed forty three doors last month alone. Jesus. So I would say (laughs) exactly. Uh, we actually just hired another BDM because we have so many inbound leads coming. I mean, like I told you, we had 108 opportunities last month alone. Um, you know, we're averaging, I think we're averaging 84 opportunities a month. And the majority of those opportunities are e-marketing related, meaning website. They're not AdWords, but their website, um, something from our website or some type of trigger is where that's inbound. coming from. Inbound. inbound. Oh, so we don't. Oh, we don't do any. We don't do any outbounds. Everything is inbound for us. I mean, we we actually had to implement a call center for our inbound property management leads because our property manager, you know, our BDM, she's in a meeting. She'll her she'll come out of the meeting. She'll have 15 phone calls from people. So we actually had to purchase time with a call center because we have so many inbounds coming.
0: So so Steve, would you say the magic that the whole thing boils down to a single factor? And argue with me if this is not correct in your opinion. Do you need to become an authority in your space? Like a, a thought leader.
1: Absolutely. You you have to get out there and you have to you have to mix it up, you have to grind, and you have to come out on top of the pile as the one that is the educator. You don't have to be the smartest. You just have to be the one that every time they turn around, your name is popping up. And anything you can do to be that educator, you know, people like it when they're educated. They don't like to be sold. So when you can educate them and be that educator, absolutely. I mean, that, that's my whole thing. I mean, we we came up with a whole agent referral program that won us best marketing in North America by business excellence. And all we do is go in and educate real estate agents why they should not manage properties for their clients, but give it to us and we pay them a referral. And uh, we, Berlin, yeah. it, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's been a great program. It's, it's, it's been fantastic for our return. Um, you know, we had a 1471% return on our marketing dollars with this agent alliance program we created. And all we do is go in. I got, ed, I, I took it a step further that I got certified by the Texas Real Estate Commission to teach continuing education to realtors. Well, guess what I teach them? All the reasons why they shouldn't manage properties, but hey, just so you know, we are the experts in managing properties, and we would be glad to help you and pay you for this, and we have a whole network, and it it works so synergistically well, and it's so simple, but it's just a matter, if I wasn't the expert, it would mean nothing to them.
0: Right, no, that makes sense. I remember you and I have these you know hour plus long conversations over drinks and dinners at NAPM events. I remember, I remember Steve in 2013. I remember when you just started with us. I remember 2014. You were like, Hey, Alex, okay, well, I have this idea. Let's do this. I remember 2015. 2015 was a bit frustration. Uh, a bit, bit like we've you've done everything right. Remember those talks? Yep. You've done everything right and. You always have all these great ideas. We discuss them in, in like detail, and and you go and you actually got you actually got guys at one of the companies just goes and implements those ideas. It's not just like the conversation, and then we're done drinking, we're done talking, and nothing happens. You guys actually go and do it, <laughs> test it, see if it works, and maybe scrap it or maybe you can pursue. It. But, but I remember these conversations. And we like when is it gonna happen? When are we when is that when are we gonna crest, yeah. man, and snowball down? Yeah. And when yeah. did that crest happen for you? When 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 did you really feel that? okay, the inbound is picking up, we're, we're, we're in the right track?
1: Um, you know, last year we noticed that, okay, we, we're getting some traction, is what we realized. We're getting some traction. Last year we had 976 inbound leads um, coming in for the year. Uh, this year we're, we're way over that, but we'll, we may even double that. Oh. But what we realized was, it was about last year where we started getting referrals from owners referrals from agents and we started looking at we weren't we weren't going singular we were getting multiplication of people coming to us and we thought okay this is starting to work and I think really within the last I'm gonna say within the last year year and a half have we gotten to the top of Google probably within the last year to be honest with you yeah. that we actually got on the front page of Google to where we are constantly there um, and it, that I think has been a huge you know, plus, but uh, you know wh- what? What we've our I guess you'd call it our aha moment. Our main aha moment has been to see how all of a sudden all the things that we've done. Like for example, with real estate agents, we now get so many referrals. We don't have to go to as many realtor offices. We are going three to four times a week to realtor offices, buying lunch, doing free events, doing this, doing that. Now we may go once every couple weeks to offices, but we have so much traction with them and they know us. And like we kind of we, we, we did that 10x massive action in the beginning that now it just, the momentum is built, is continuing. And now we just have to keep feeding it constantly.
0: Gotcha. So I think to, to kind of come up with an overall uh, uh, theme and the short advice that we can if we boil down this podcast in a single sentence. Um, you know, to compete on competence and not price and win, you have to have two things. And I think the second thing, I'm just kind of fishing it out there. The first is you you got to become a thought leader, but the second thing is hustle. You, you have to hustle in the right way. You have to hustle. You have to fail. You have to fall on your face. And you have to engage every partner, every uh, you know it, every vendor every your know, friend you have every maybe even owner and ask them questions and continuously use the opportunity over drinks or over coffee you know to to to, to try, try to gleam new ideas and go and implement them instead of just you know uh, uh, relying on uh google adwords or paper lead methodology or methods to to feed your company and grow your company is that about right steve hustle and thought leader
1: Yeah, I would say absolutely. You know, one thing I have learned is that you have to be a grinder. You have to get up and you've got to make it happen. And if you do not get up and you don't make it happen, someone else is going to take your place. And I tell people all the time, you know, we are looking at expanding in other cities. And you probably don't want to come up against us with marketing because we take massive action on a daily basis. And if we come into that city, we are going to take the same hardcore approach of massive action. And if you're sitting back trying to be passive, you're you're not you're you're gonna get pushed away. And if it's not our company, it's going to be another company. And what I find is interesting is, you know, people are always afraid to fail. They're afraid to fail because they don't want to look dumb. But when you look back at history, some of the most famous people in the world fail. I mean Henry Ford was considered illiterate. Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. Albert Einstein didn't pass ninth grade algebra. All those people failed, but they didn't give up. If you give up, you're a failure. If you fail, that just means it's feedback and it makes you stronger if you take that information. And I would say, you know, we have failed so many times, so many ways. But if we had not failed at being bad property owners, I would not have the business that I have today and I would not be so... I'm cautious but we're also aggressive if that makes sense and if, if we didn't have those failures you know you don't you don't succeed because of your wins you succeed, you succeed in life because of your failures because you go I'm not doing that again I learned that lesson So so yes absolutely what you said that that's completely right
0: spoken like a true entrepreneur well, Steve, <laughs> it, it was an absolute pleasure having you. And we're, you know, I'm akin to spirit in terms of failure and hustling. You call it grinding. I think grinding and hustling have, uh, uh you know, they're, they're, they're 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 very close in an for entrepreneur. It's those are those are the two elements. But sometimes you got to hustle a little bit more. Sometimes you got to grind a little bit more, depending on what the project you're working on and what it demands and requires. But being a thought leader, putting the content out there, and uh, um, uh, educating. Doing something for nothing, you know, it helps uh, to build the trust and the bridge, and then the customers will come to you. Customers come to Four and a Half the same way. We don't do pay pay marketing. We do everything it, we do is education. Speaking of education, we're putting up a conference uh, together with Lead Simple and Jordan Jordan Muella, uh, my friend and the CEO of Lead Simple. And actually, if you guys want to come and hear Steve speak from the bottom of his heart and tell and tell the success story that he just he just told in a bit more details and take some Q and A. Come to the uh, property management PM Growth Summit, which is gonna be on January twenty sixth in uh, two thousand seventeen in Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, Florida. And Steve, we got you uh as one of the speakers, don't we?
1: Yes, you do. And I'm very <laughs> the excited right now. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You. No, I'm very excited. I think, like I said, everything you've done is been spot on. You guys are, you guys are fantastic. I, I just, I can't say enough because it, without you, there's no way without, without you, you know, again, it you gave me the, you gave me the foundation. I took it and ran with it, but had you never given me this information, you know, you don't know what you don't know. It's like property managers, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And, um, there's, you know, there's so many great people out there to learn from. I, I want to go because I want to learn some more because I know I'm going to learn a lot of things there and be able to mix with people and meet people that are going to help me as well.
0: Yeah, we're going to kick some butt on that conference. It's, um, so, Steve, I thank you very much for your time. And tell people how they can find you if they want to chat you up for one reason or another.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You can, uh, you can look us up online at uh, empireindustriesllc.com. Um, if you like we have a facebook page you can find us on there we always promote and have good information um, you can call my office uh... toll free number eight 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 six 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 seven two seven. and uh... you know we get a lot of property managers you know look we we didn't know all the things so people want help and they want us to help them on business or ideas or questions you know we're, we're free because that's nobody was able to give us those answers we had to figure them out so if i can help someone else do something and learn something i have no problem spending time investing time to to meet other people and and see if i can help them as well
0: there you have it steve rosenberg um a really good guy and a true entrepreneur thank you for your time steve
1: thank you